party. Sit back, enjoy the show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Nice to see Cristiano Ronaldo padding stats against Andorra. Yes. <clears throat> I'm not. I'm not in favor of it, Timmy. It just kind of happens. I'm not Tim in favor of it. You know this about me. I'm not in favor of it. <laughs> not in favor what of it. Against Andorra, 9 nothing, 7 nothing. What was it? He okay, so in. here's the deal. For those of you listening to Sports Five Ninety, 90 the fan, you just heard Alex Exerell tell the story. For those of you joining us on Sportsnet, hi. Here's what Tim's talking about, and it's kind of <laughs> hilarious. So Portugal's taking on Andorra today in soccer over in Lisbon. There's friendlies happening all over the place. Ronaldo's on the bench. This is Andorra, all right? Basically, mm-hmm. Portugal's basically playing their B squad, aside from João Matinho. So Ronaldo comes out. He's chasing the all-time, Ali Daei's all-time goal-scoring record, 109 goals. Iranian international, Tim. Iranian yes. international. Played forever. Um, salam, Ronaldo- salam, Ali Daei. I'm not going to try and recite that again. I learned my lesson last time at Calif. You got me on that one. Um, so Ronaldo's on the bench. So it's like, okay, there's no way he's coming on the field. Salamaki. They sub him on. They sub him on in halftime. <laughs> they subbed on. This game was already like 4 nothing at halftime. They sub on Ronaldo to play Andorra to pad the goal-scoring I, stats. I love him. Be- God bless him. I love oh, him. Oh, there's a level he's, of audacity there. That is, oh, is my God. And he uh, gives zero wow. bleeps. Nope. He knows. Nope. Yep. He gives zero bleeps, and I kind of sort of love it because that's what you have to be to be that good. I agree. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I agree. And Sorry, by we got the sidetracked, way, but it's worth talking about. It's, it was a crazy Also moment, the kind of guy crazy. that would cheat, but whatever. <clears throat> this is Tim and Sid. Yeah, for it's not cheating. Today. Be that great. What? What are you no, talking about? Cheating. November 11th. Yeah, no, I mean, a lot of soccer players have that kind of build. Yeah, he uh, invented November- diving. Yeah, he invented mm-hmm. diving. Whatever. Yeah, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> November yeah. 11th. Uh, Remembrance Day here in Canada, Veterans Day in the United States of yes. America. Uh, to all of you watching and listening who have served or have family who have served or continue to serve this incredible country, uh, we salute you all. And coming up, uh, we'll do that uh, in another way with yes. something that has touched both Sid and I deeply, and we're going to pass it on to you. We also have plenty of baseball speculation. The Jays seem to be in the middle of a lot of it. Shai Davidi, Sportsnet, joins us. Uh, we'll also find out who won the American League Cy Young Award next hour. Uh, Shane Bieber, Timmy, Kenta Maeda, the Twins, and, of course, Toronto's Yunjin Ryu are the finalists. Bieber's going to win it. But you never know, Tim. Crazy things can happen in a vote. Yep. We'll let you know uh, how the voting breaks down when we find out here on Tim and Sid. You know what starts tomorrow, Tim? Do you know what gets underway tomorrow? Do you know what literally tees off tomorrow? Are you are you watching TV with with the with the volume up? Like, are you watching Sorry, Portugal and Andorra? No, I'm watching. Right. The t- Marcus Stroman's up on MLB Network. They're talking about Marcus Stroman. <laughs> Right. Sorry, can we can talk about that later TV. too. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no. But, but by uh, the, the way, Masters the, is the, tomorrow. I heard the Masters. The, broad, is the tomorrow. broadcasters of Portugal are acting like like they just won a quarterfinal at the Euros too against Andorra, <laughs> just running up the score. It's really hilarious. Like I said, Tim, the, can we get horns for the Masters starting tomorrow? Hey. Can we get something? A little something? Even better. Even better. Waiting since April. Gets underway tomorrow. Hopefully, the weather. Uh, Take some mercy on everybody. Forecast isn't no great. Azaleas. No azaleas. No az- Did you hear this? No, no azaleas. There's still a green jacket, though. Do you need the azaleas? 
I need this the is, is, no, I don't give a bleep about the azaleas. <laughs> you don't see ever since they <laughs> ever since they cheated me on the sound effects at the Masters, I have lost my touch for all of those things that Jim Nance announces as they walk down Magnolia Lane in that opening shot to the Masters that you always see. You always what see do you that mean they cheated? What do, you, what do you mean they cheated? What are you well, talking? You never about heard this story before, Six no, Arrow. This, this is one about? of the great cheats of all time. Forget all right. about. Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. Forget about any cyclist you've ever heard of on planet Earth. The Masters got caught piping in fake bird noises. What? That weren't native to the area. Uncalled for. And man. people knew that those birds that they could hear <laughs> chirping. That's a pretty good were not native to Augusta, Georgia, and they got burnt. My nunna used to watch golf all the time. And part of it, part of the reason why my nunna, who came from Malta as a young woman and settled here in Canada, not your prime, mm -hmm. not your prime golf watcher, part of the reason why she watched was the beautiful scenery mm -hmm. and the... <laughs> And they were faking her all along. You know what? First off, great bird impression. Underrated. Haven't heard Thank that you. one in a while. That's pretty damn Thank good. You. I can't even try. Mine Almost sounds as good like as my dying Hallie hippo. Maker. Almost oh, as good as my really? Maker. Yeah, it's yeah. up there. It's up there. But for a sport so uptight, you have people watching from their homes, Tim Cullen, in course violations. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. I, I, I think it's unacceptable to fake bird noises up Magnolia Lane and have Jim Nance think he's all that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm with you. That's kind of BS. If you're going to give us the Masters experience, make it legitimate. But I don't need his Well, no, They got uh, caught. They've stopped doing it. They got off the juice. <laughs> the they stopped juicing the broadcast. Huge controversy. Huge controversy. <laughs> they failed the bird drug test. They can't do it anymore. Um also coming up today, Timmy, well, we're going to talk to you. Forgive me. We do have a guest, Chris Solomon from No Laying Up Podcast. He's great. We're going to talk Masters. Ever, this is going to be one of those bet on Masters ever. Like, people are just hankering for NFL gets a lot of juice, but there's going to be a lot of betting on this. Uh, also, three-time Olympic medalist for Canada, Andre DeGrasse, will stop by, and we'll talk about how one of his chief rivals for gold in the 100 meters next year in Tokyo, assuming they run it, will not be there. Uh, so plenty coming your way here on this Wednesday edition. Glad you're with us. Of Tim and Sid. We're juicing our broadcast with Andre DeGrasse, Shai Davidi, and Chris Solomon. That's what we're No fake bird noises here, except the ones that you saw coming out of my mouth. And I won't talk about things coming out of my mouth. Except for the next set of words, Sydney. What the hell did you watch last night? Glad you asked. Had to dig. First off, Claire is no longer the Bachelorette. Okay? Claire met the love of her life walking out of a limo, Dale. Just swept her off her feet. Huge controversy, McCall, for the last few weeks. Tasha has walked through the door. What are you and I'm going to say, so the Bachelorette, the original Bachelorette left the show, met her husband. They are engaged, McAuliffe. Neil Lane showed up. Break glass in case of engagement emergency. Neil so Lane said, flies it. Third week, she says, I'm done. I I'm found done. my guy. And, and the other guys kind of said they were done, too, because it was pretty obvious. But she said, I'm done. So Claire and Dale get engaged three weeks in. ABC orders 14 episodes. We have a problem. Yeah. We have an issue with The Bachelorette. So they bring in Tasha, <laughs> formally, formally of, of, of like Bachelor in Paradise and, and The Bachelor. She's phenomenal. 
as gently as I can say this, as a 43-year-old married man, she is great. Great. <laughs> Tash is better than Claire. What are you texting I, me? I got questions. <laughs> Go, please. I'm here to answer your Bachelorette question. Huge, most is it, most is dramatic it season of Bachelorette ever. Is it the same guys that are in the house that were there for Claire? Glad you asked. There were 16 guys in the house when Claire left. Mm-hmm. Tasha walked in. Chris Harrison's like, let's start the cocktail party. Here we go. She's meeting the 16 guys. Chris Harrison then comes over and says, by the way, Tasha, everything's about to change. Walks Tasha back to the front where normally limos would be showing up because Tasha doesn't get yeah. the limo experience. Right. Sure as you know what, limo shows up with four more guys in it. So we have oh, the ori- we have 16 who were left. And they added four more guys. One's a huge douchebag. I forget his name. He's not, he's not going to get anything done. So he walks in, and, they, and they're kicking up you-know-what with each other. And, Tim, it's just it, – it promises to be a good ending to the Bachelorette season considering it was a bizarre way to start. Claire, dare I say, was one of the worst Bachelorettes I have ever seen in my life. Didn't give 90% of the guy – some good guys in that house, man. Easy. And all the rest of them. Good dudes. But no, Claire just had eyes for Dale, and Dale had eyes for Claire. And it's going to be amazing in three weeks when I read they broke up online. It's going to be hilarious because it's going to happen. Anyway, that's, I started watching The Bachelorette. Any other Bachelorette questions, Tim? I'm here all day. I, you know what? I don't questions? understand. How, how do you maintain the sanctity of the house if you replace the, <laughs> <laughs> the sanctity, sanctity of the house? Sanctity of the house. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Sanctity of the house. I couldn't even get it out. All right. So Sixero is watching The Bachelorette. Uh, send so, all of your so, tweets at Sid underscore Sixero. I got nothing takes. to do with this. Oh, so then after The Bachelorette, to wrap it up, Tim, I watched... Oh, you got more. I got more. I watched a bunch of anchors on CNN surprised Trump's not conceding. Like, come on, man. What the hell did you think was going to happen here? So that was kind of annoying to watch, actually, if I'm being honest. Like, everyone's very surprised. Like, the numbers are... First off, states don't ratify until November 20th. Smart guy. So anyway, that was annoying. So I didn't watch that for long, Tim. You'll be happy to to know. Can I give you a piece of advice? Can I give you a piece of advice? It's not my quote. I'm not going to claim it. I don't know who said it. Um, because I can't remember it right now. But once someone shows you the true character, believe them. That's My what was God. annoying last night. I was so annoyed. I didn't watch long. I was like, really? This is it's this like, is honestly surprising. Anyway, it's like I'm, the I'm, reality I'm, show that you were talking about earlier. A reality show made more sense than when I watched the CNN last night. It was ridiculous. Anyway, so that lasted a minute. Right. Then, then, uh, Golf Central Live with the Masters. You got to take in a little live at the Masters, yeah. right? Like the two yeah, and a half hours. You're our, a rich learner who's been kind enough to be on our show previously. What a great yeah. job they do. Brandel, I don't know if Brandel Chambly is a genius or a douche. Like, I don't know. Both. That guy can talk golf for 15 straight minutes, and you, and he, and he lose, you get lost in the Gary Player references from 1984, and then he can nail a point in 15 seconds. You're like, that's amazing. I'd never thought of that. So I don't, I, I'm torn on, on Brandel Chambly. I'm torn. I'm torn. He's the, ex- he's the exact same of Bryson DeChambeau. He's a genius and a dude. <laughs> you're, you're allowed to <laughs> be both. We're not going uh, to get to Masters. We're not going to get all of the things that we want to do in this opening block Correct. because you spent way too much time talking about The Bachelorette. I was just wondering was because there's no sports on what the hell you'd so, be watching last night. What an night, episode last night. And whether or not you were episode. lost wow. like a little boy looking for his mom and dad Hold at on. a carnival instead. Quickly, were, what did you watch you were last glued. night? What did you, you watch last night? No, no. Pick, give me a winner. Give me a winner at is, is, 
is Bryson DeChambeau so much of a favorite? Because I want to get to the rest of it, and I want right, to get to that thing that we're going to do for Remembrance Day because I think yeah, that's really important. Plan. So we just give me, give me a winner. How about, you know what? He's never had a top 10 at Augusta, but he's too good a player. Justin Thomas. Can Justin Thomas show up at Augusta and play well? I love him as yeah. a player, man. I'm a fan. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm saying Justin Thomas this year has a year, finally at Augusta. How about you? 11 to 1, that's pretty good. I, listen, I think Bryson DeChambeau is going to win, and I don't want him to. Uh, we're going to talk to Chris Solomon about this a little bit later on and how, like, I feel like no crowd favors DeChambeau because now he's, he was talking about cutting corners. The guy average, yeah. averages 344 drive. And now he's going to cut corners with no fans? Man, it, it's, it, it, it is teeing up to be a tournament for him, no pun intended. But I want to get to this Freddie Van Vliet story. Let's Let's, yeah, there's a lot of Raptors fans that are interested in this Freddie Van Vliet story. For those who don't know, the NBA free agency period begins one week from Friday, and the Raptors' Freddie Van Vliet, arguably the best guard available. SI says he is. Today he appeared on J.J. Reddick's podcast, The Old Man in the Three. <laughs> you get it? It's, like it's it. the old man in the sea. For three. It, but it's the three. Um, Freddie made it clear what his priorities are this offseason. I'm trying to get paid, man. I'm not. I'm not shy about that. Um, I I don't have to to tell people that I value winning. Like, just look at my story. Do your research. I've never been on a losing team in my entire life. That's what I'm about, and and that's just what it is. So I won a championship, and now it's time to to cash out on 26. I feel like I'm I'm, you know, I'm only four years in, but I feel like I'm on the verge of of blossoming even more. Um, with more of a lead role and just taking more responsibility in my game. So all of those things factor into it. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's not purely numbers, but the numbers do play a big part. And I just want to feel my value reciprocated from the other end. And teams can tell you that value all they want to. But until they show you with numbers, then then you know what that means. What does this mean to the Raptors and Fred Van Vliet? uh, Tim, correct me if if I'm wrong. Was there not a feeling going into this offseason whenever it was going to start, especially after last year, you know, Freddie was going to get done. Freddie's going to get done. Freddie wants to be a Raptor. Raptors want him. Freddie's going to get done. Like that, it just felt like the prevalent feeling was not an issue. But we, like, I think there was some ignorance to that feeling among some of us. Maybe. Because Fred Van Vliet is a grown-ass man with a family, as we know. Fred Van Vliet bet on himself, undrafted, fought his ass off to get this coming payday. And he made nine mil last year. He did okay. But this is going to be a different level. I think Raptor fans need to be prepared for all outcomes here. And my point is we should have been prepared months ago. I don't know where this feeling came up of it's done. It's never been done. Nothing's done. Fred Van Vliet, I got news for you, is he's wanted by many other teams. You don't know what the situation's going to be. And and listen, can the Raptors offer him the best spot? Yeah. Kyle Lowry, last check, has a year left on that deal. Yeah, you want to be a starting point guard in the NBA? Wait wait 12 months. Maybe but maybe he doesn't want to wait 12 months, Tim. Maybe he wants to go in a different direction. Maybe no, money does become the issue. He wants to get paid. <laughs> but he also knows he's, going to, he's entering a next level as a point guard in this league. Right. Is also what he said. 
I just think Raptor fans need to be prepared for all outcomes here because I have a feeling, Tim, if this went south, there would be way more of an uproar inside Raptors Nation than maybe we even anticipate. People would be pissed. And I'm just saying the message I think today is everything you said was fair. Be prepared. That's a wanted man. That is a wanted player around the league. Get ready for all outcomes, Raptor fans. Just get ready. Uh, SI has Fred Van Vliet ranked as their third best free agent. Anthony hmm. Davis is number one because he's got a player option. Brandon Ingram, who's a restricted free agent, is two. So basically, Freddie Van Vliet is their number one yeah. free agent on the market. Um, the, the one thing I will say, context is important. And Freddie, throughout that podcast, w- spoke glowingly about the Toronto Raptors franchise and how much he obviously appreciated what they did and liked being here the entire time. I didn't, you might have been a Freudian slip that I used the past tense, but I think you, me, and any Raptors fan with a brain, if Freddie Van Vliet gets more money elsewhere, congratulations. You bet on yourself a bunch of times. You deserve it. Absolutely. And if Freddie signs long term and OG signs long term, Giannis Attentacompo isn't coming to Toronto. That's the key to this offseason. You watch. See what the Raptors, Blake Murphy did a wonderful layout of the cap situation for the Toronto Raptors this year. You can go look at it. It'll be boring for me to explain to you. But this year has to do with flexibility for next year and Jaboyani. And if the Raptors leave that flexibility, I think it's because Masai thinks he's got a chance at Yanni. I haven't seen the at Tim and Sid Twitter thread right now, Timmy, I am assuming. Mm-hmm. There are some people who also have opinions on this. Uh, at Tim and Sid, let us know what you think. Yeah. Uh, we, we'll, revisit, we'll revisit this uh, a little later on in the show. But, uh, Timmy, as, as you mentioned here, before, we wanted to do something before the break. And uh, yeah. it is November 11th, and uh, it means so much to so many people. Yeah, both Sid and I uh, believe strongly in the poppies that we wear on our chests. And the Canadians who risk their lives for the freedoms and rights, I hear so many people so often these days screaming about Uh, Those were provided to us by young men and women who laid down the ultimate sacrifice. And that word sacrifice is something our generation should be able to appreciate even more these days. Absolutely. Uh, As we go to break, Timmy, we honor the legends who serve this country. And we do so by playing uh, you Leonard Cohen's rendition of Flanders Field. Now, back in 2016, Legion magazine asked the legendary Canadian poet and musician to narrate the poem as only he could. Cohen that year died on November 10th, the eve of Remembrance Day. The next day, Legion magazine allowed us to hear his rendition. This is one of the most memorable renditions of the poem ever recorded. And uh, considering the day it is, we thought it was appropriate to run it for you. We remember. In Flanders fields, the poppies blow between the crosses row on row that mark our place and in the sky the larks still bravely singing fly scarce heard amid the guns below we are the dead short days ago we lived felt dawn saw sunset glow loved and were loved 
And now we lie in Flanders' fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands, we throw the torch. Be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders' fields. This is Tim and Sid, coast to coast on Sportsnet Radio and TV. Matthew writes in like a lot of people did on Freddie Van Vliet. Mad respect for Fred, but sometimes you have to let go of guys who are going to get overpaid. I would give him $20 million a year. I, I think $20 million a year might get it done, Sid. Could, but you don't know. I'm like, if Detroit's in this, if the Knicks uh, are in this, Right. A lot of a lot of kind of over the top money could be in play here that we're not anticipating that changes the whole equation. I got and something I, from what he said, Freddie, that I'm going to bring up to you in counter to what you just said. Okay, fair enough. But fair first, enough. our next guest is one of the fastest human beings on planet Earth. Pan Am gold medalist, three-time Olympic medalist, the Canadian record holder in the 200 meters, a commercial star. And we're proud to say Andre de Grasse is a longtime friend of this show. Three-time Olympic medalist, the fastest man in Canada, although we haven't raced yet, Andre. I've been challenging you for years. You've been ducking me. <laughs> Andre de Grasse joining us uh, from Florida. This conversation with Andre, by the way, is brought to you by GoDaddy, Websites Plus Marketing, Make Your Business a Star. Uh, Andre, it's great to see you, man. How are, before we get into everything, and there's some things to get to here, how, how are you doing? How's training been? How's Florida been? Yeah, I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. Uh, I just actually uh, started back training last month, um, so it's good to get back into the groove a little bit. I've had a, a long layover or, or off-season, um, just kind of just had a reset, and now it's great to just get back out there and and uh, get back running again. You know, hopefully um, we're hoping for the best, hoping that we get back to some type of normalcy going into next year and have a season and going to be able to compete and uh, get ready for the Tokyo Games, but Overall, I'm I'm feeling great. Uh, it's, it's a little bit cloudy over here today in Florida, but the weather is great, um, and uh, I'm just uh, enjoying every moment here. So yeah, how you guys doing over there? <laughs> today it might be nicer in Toronto. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. It's been like 20 degrees all week long. I won't say I it for know, some I other heard. parts you of Canada. Are, you guys are are dodging the winter over there. You guys, <laughs> well, for there. now, so you know, don't Andre, don't do that. Yeah. You know what's coming. Yeah. Don't <laughs> don't change this. We can't don't tap dance that. for too long. So are you in full like prep mode, like? How do you map out? Like, I know you map out to peak at the Olympic Games, but there's it seems to be kind of a moving target. And when do you get to race uh, other people? Um, how do you map out a season when you don't really know what the season is? Yeah, um, really, I kind of leave that all up in, 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 co in coaches' hands, to be honest. Uh, I mean, so far, as we know, there's they've scheduled some meets uh, for an indoor season. They're talking about, they've, they've been having groups and talking about uh, having a COVID test before we get uh, get on the plane, or or what, uh, or how however we get there by car, bus, uh, right. and then when we get there as well, um, then we'll take another COVID test again. 
and um, and then yeah, we'll go from there. And of course, it's going to be limited. Uh, probably, uh, if they do have fans, the fans have to you know be six feet, or you know, hopefully, if there's like bleachers like way up high or and spread out. So we just have to see how it goes. But uh, yeah, definitely, they're saying there is going to be some type of a season uh, moving forward. And uh, kind of for me, I just have to stay mentally sharp, mentally focused, and just think of it. Uh, just think of it as uh, basically, you know, if there's going to be a season, and I got to just be ready at any moment. Andre, I would guess the best way to socially distance is to run under 10 seconds. Would you not agree? <laughs> That's probably the best way to do it. I think you have an, an initial natural advantage in that way. Yeah, if I can stay ahead of the competition, then of course. <laughs> you know, keep them six feet back, and then I'll, and everything will be great. <laughs> Andre DeGrasse, three-time Olympic medalist uh, from Canada here on Tim and Sid. So, Andre, I mean... You know, we all kind of woke up Monday morning and there was this news about uh, about a vaccine out of Pfizer, 90% effective, still in stage three, still a ways to go. But I would assume of all the sports organizations who would read that news and all the athletes, an Olympian and the IOC probably felt the most optimistic considering, you know, Tokyo hopefully will be next summer. Hopefully in your case... There's a diamond league of some sort. Hopefully you can get in some some serious runs across Europe and around the world. And a vaccine would go a long way into that. When you heard that news, did I mean, without getting into specifics, because none of us are doctors last time I checked, did it give you a little bit more hope when you oh, saw yeah. that notification across your phone? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I got an update from CNN and all these other uh, sources. And um, yeah, basically when we, heard, when we heard that, I mean, like, okay, well, we're moving in the right path. I mean, hopefully it's not. You know, going to be it's not a rush. Um, you know, hopefully this is this vaccine that's 90 percent effective uh, comes to light and it's going to be a good thing. But, um, yeah, it definitely gave me a little bit of hope and, you know, towards the future. And hopefully uh, uh, and hopefully in the future, you know, this can be a, a, a breaking point, a, break, a breaking ground. Friend of the show, Andre DeGrasse, joining us here on Tim and Sid. Um, speaking of notifications, what was your reaction when you got the notification that Christian Coleman had been handed down a two year ban? Yeah, um, I mean, it was really unfortunate, to be honest. Um, you know, he's a great athlete, great talent. Um, you know, I always look I always look forward to competing against the best. Um, so to, for, for him, I mean, I know he's, his probably heart is broken right now. Um, I don't really suspect him of any drugs. I think, um, I think, to be honest, that was just a little bit of, you know, irresponsibility on his part. Um, and, and it's tough. I mean, I know I, I've been in, obviously, I've been in that situation where, um, you know, I get drug tested a lot of times and you really got, you know, it's really, you really got to be responsible. I mean, I have a great team around me that keeps me, you know, focused on updating the app and, and, you know, setting reminders on my phone. But I mean, it's really just, you know, kind of unfortunate for him. I mean, I don't wish that on anybody. Uh, I think the two year ban was a little bit too harsh. Um, you know, I, I think he could have, you know, still, mm. you know, had the Olympics. Um, but I mean, it's, it's tough, man. It's, it's really a, a tough bargain, but I, I feel for him, but uh, hopefully he can, you know, learn from this and uh, just come back stronger. Uh, honestly, Andre, I'm a little, I'm a little surprised at the take. I mean, this is, I mean, for for those who aren't in the track and field world, this is the reigning world champion here in Christian Coleman. This guy is the fastest man on earth technically, and has missed numerous drug tests where you have to show up, and and they and and international governing bodies look at and missing a drug test the same as failing one. Um, yeah. So 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 the impression you're giving me, Andre, is you're just you're just bummed that you might not get a chance to race against the best of the best come Tokyo next summer. Am I reading that right? Yeah, I, I mean, I just like competing against the best. I, I know he's, he's uh, 
I, I, I mean, he got me in Doha. Um, so I want I was looking forward to that, you know, that, that rematch in Tokyo for sure. Um, I've been, you know, trying to work on my start so that I can compete against him, but I know it's just, this is really unfortunate. I mean, I, I know it's part of the game. It's, it's, it's part of your job. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, showing up late for work, but I, I, I guess in that aspect, but I mean, it's, it's tough. I, I, I just feel for him. Um, I would never want to be in that situation. Um, you know, hopefully, he, hopefully uh, no one else at that caliber um, is in that situation uh, ever again. With that said, handling your business is as important off the track as it is on the track. I mean, you, you mentioned you get tested a number of times. Um, did you ever go Christmas shopping for socks when, <laughs> when testers were waiting? Like, like this is the part of the Christian Coleman story I can't quite wrap my head around, right? Like, you, you know full well, listen, if I was an Olympic-level sprinter, and testers tell me we're going to be at your place from 5 p.m. to yeah. 7 p.m. I, I can order elf in a shelf. No, yeah. and I know if Tim <laughs> and I were in that spot, we just go Amazon and they'd show up the next day, and I'd make sure I was there for the testers. I just feel like he needs to carry some responsibility, and he is—he's suspended. But I, I think, I think the criticism, and I'm not asking you to because you know him better than me. But I, I think you got to handle your affairs just as well off the track as on the track, and it is what it is. If you can't, that's just just one guy's opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're 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 absolutely right. I mean, I totally agree with you. Uh, it's it's tough. Um, I mean, I mean, I think you know, it's I don't really like. It's not like I'm I'm trying to bash the guy or I'm trying right. to be against the uh, against the system. The system is set up the way for us to fail. But I mean, I'm not I'm not in any of that. I'm kind of the middle ground where I'm like I kind of know I just gotta handle business. Um, I know this is happening. I know. I try to choose a slot where I know I'm going to be home or I'm not going to be Christmas shopping. I'm, you know, I, for me, I'm, my slot is early in the morning when I wake up. I know I'm going to be at my house. Uh, that's the time I know I got to, you know, take a piss, take a leak. Um, <laughs> so I just try to just, you know, be responsible. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm just fortunate. I don't know who's around him, who his support system is, but I think I'm just fortunate and blessed to have a good support system around me. So that that can never happen to me. Stay ready, kids, is the lesson from Andre de Grasse. Stay ready. Um, so do you feel then like you're the man to beat going into this season? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of other guys um, that I got to worry about as well. I mean, uh, he definitely, uh, Christian, is, 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 is a guy that, you know, I look out for. But there's also, there's other guys as well that are, you know, running very fast times. Um, you know, a couple other Americans, uh, uh, South Af I think a South African. Um, you know, you still got, you know, Justin Gatlin as well. Um, there's, there's a, uh, Johan Blake, there's a bunch of guys out there that I still have to, you know, keep my eye on. I, it's not, it's not there for me yet to, to take in. I still got to go out there and, and prove it and stay focused and continue to work hard. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to the challenge. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, whoever's there to line up with, um, I think it's going to be a great show and it's going to be epic and hopefully, um, it can, it can happen. So I'm just looking forward to it. I know for both Sid and I, um, the 4x100 in Atlanta is one of our favorite sporting memories uh, all time. So <laughs> what do you think about Canada's chances now, too? Because it's not just the 100 or the 200. The 4x1 will be affected by this, too. Yeah, um, I think we have a great shot. I mean, myself, uh, we got Aaron Brown. Um, you know, there's a couple guys out there, you know, we're, we're going to have to fill figure out those other two spots. But um, I think uh, we have a great, we have a great team around us. Uh, we also have a great relay coach. He's been in that position. He's Glenmore Gilbert. He's part, was part of that four by 100 relay in, in Atlanta, 96. So, you know, he know he knows what to do. Um, so we just got to go out there and, and get the job done. Um, so I feel like, you know, we got a great shot. 
uh, guys just have to come prepared. We have to get the stick around. Um, and if, you know, uh, if I get that baton, whether I'm, whether I'm on that second leg or that anchor leg, I just got to go out there and, uh, you know, give it my best. <laughs> Andre DeGrasse here on Timmonson. Andre, what's the, what's the most important leg? Uh, I would say, well, all the legs are, are really important. I mean, that first leg, you got to You got to get off to a good start. I mean, that first leg is really important. You got to get a jump on the competition. Uh, the second leg is the longest leg. So you need a guy that, you know, that has that top end, that speed endurance, that's going to continue to, you know, accelerate it and, and keep us in position. And then, and then the anchor leg is, is, is super important as well. That's the guy who brings it, who brings it home. So, I mean, but that's the glamor spot, but like you, you're <laughs> in it. Like, that's why I asked. Right? Says too. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah. Tom. I mean, it's tough. I mean, if you, if you're in the lead, if you're in the lead, that, that second leg is really important. I mean, that second leg, I would say the second leg is important. But if you're behind, if you're behind, that fourth leg is important. So it, it's, it's, it's a toss-up between the second and fourth. The, fir- the, the third leg, you can get away with some stuff, you know. But, and then the first leg, I mean, even if you don't get off to a great start, you know, we, you could still come back. So, you're saying um, that second say, leg is where you, you stabilize where yeah, you're I think the, Yeah, I think the second leg really shows. That's when you're watching the competition – and you're looking at that second leg, that's where either you either you lose the lead or you open up the gap. So I, I would say I would say that second leg is really important. I still got some second leg in me, McAuliffe. What the not saying nothing. No, uh, saying bronze it. is nice. We were showing the board, and bronze is nice, silver is nice. And Sid and I cover sports for a living. Every sport you've come on, you've been our Raptors insider in the past. Um, and and what I know from watching sports my whole life is the ones who have to wait for it are the ones that you know really have to savor it or get to savor it. Are you getting to the point where the wait has been a little bit too long for that gold in that moment? Like, are you starting to kind of get like, I need that taste now? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, it's been, uh, you know, I had a great showing in 2016. It was my first, my first go around. And I feel like now I'm a lot more experienced now. I, I've matured, I've grown, um, I've gotten stronger. So I definitely feel like, you know, this is, this is the time, this is, uh, you know, next year is the year for me to, to bring it home. Um, you know, bring it back to Canada. So I think I just have a great shot. I feel good. I feel healthy. And, um, you know, I just, I just can't wait for that moment. I mean, so I'm just looking forward to it. I, um, I'm excited. Uh, the pressure, there's no pressure for me. I feel as long as I'm, you know, when I get there, I'm feeling good. I'm healthy. There's no pressure. Uh, so, I just try to go out there and, uh, and do my thing. So that's that's all I'm hoping for. <laughs> uh, Andre DeGrasse here on Tim. And so before we let you go, Andre, you you and these GoDaddy ads, you're getting more airtime during our show than us. <laughs> like, yeah. we're running them, like, like we're running them constantly. Um, do you feel you're a naturally gifted actor? Is that what you learned in this process? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, I, it's just funny because I didn't even really see the ad before it came out. So So when I saw it, I was just hoping, I'm like, I hope, I hope everyone likes it. I mean, I'm not an actor. Uh, you know, the people in the in the shot, Carly and uh, Anthony, they're not actors either. They're just regular uh, small business owners. So I'm like, I'm hoping we we all just did a great job. And uh, I just I can't, you know, obviously you get the word from the the production crew and and everyone else. They're like, yeah, you did a good job. You did a good job. But you're not you're not worried about their opinion. You're worried about the, <laughs> the people that's actually gonna go see this on TV, right? And and uh, and on social social channels. So. Um, but you know, when I posted, I got a lot of great feedback that I, I was a good actor. So, you know, maybe that's a, maybe that's a career that I'll go into, uh, uh when I'm done running. A lot of <laughs> options. Life's all about options, Andre. It's all about <laughs> options. 
Go, GoDaddy's mission in the campaign is to empower small businesses. Uh, before you became Andre de Grasse, world, uh, world-renowned track star, did you ever own or work for a small business other than Andre de Grasse Enterprises, which is a pretty damn good <laughs> small business enterprise? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely, like, I would say, yeah, a little bit. I, I remember when I was when I was a younger kid, I, I worked for the, the newspaper. I was, I was the paper boy. So, nice. Uh, I Fastest like paper little, boy in Canadian you know, history. Fastest <laughs> yeah, paper boy in Canadian history. There. <laughs> so, but um, but definitely, I mean, just learning from like when I was there at the on set and learning from Anthony and Carly, small business owners, um, just go, seeing what they go through on a daily basis, uh, incredible. Uh, definitely, uh, that's something that I was intrigued by, and uh, definitely something that maybe in the in the long run, um, you know, in the future, that maybe I'll start my own small business, like maybe the the Andre the Grass clothing line or something. I always wanted to start my nice. own clothing line, so. Uh, you know, maybe that's something I might do, but definitely, you know, GoDaddy did a great job uh, shining lights on small businesses uh, and entrepreneurs during this time. Um, so uh, I think, you know, they get all the credit and hopefully uh, in the in the long run, uh, they can just, you know, keep doing their thing and, and we can get to over over this COVID crisis. Yeah, definitely. Uh, when you launch that clothing line, if you need a couple models, you know what I'm talking about, Andre. <laughs> I, I you got know. you, I got you. You're the first one I'm calling. Uh, there you go. Let me, before, you, before you go. Do the Raptors need to keep Here we go. Freddie Van Vliet? There we go. We, got, we just got to get your take before you go. Ooh, um, I thought you were going to ask me about Siakam, but <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but definitely, yeah. We I think we should keep Van Vliet. Uh, he's he's uh he, he played very well in the playoffs. Uh, he did his thing. Um, he he deserves it. Uh, a guy that's never been undrafted. Uh, he's proven himself over and over over time the last couple of years. So uh, definitely, I think we should we should uh, we should keep him. Siakam, on the other hand. Uh, I, I'm on the I'm on the border. Ooh. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if, if we should have traded him wow. or or if he's gonna he's gonna improve. But I think we I think lead he, here. Wow. I what think, a take. I think he's I think he's got I think he's gonna he's gonna prove himself. He's gonna he's gonna come back stronger. So you know uh-huh. we'll see. I don't I don't know what what um Masai is up there is, is up there thinking. But uh we'll we'll see what happens the next year. <laughs> well, the next year will be interesting on a lot of fronts. Tough, tough decisions. <laughs> a lot of mm-hmm. tough decisions. By the way, Andre, when you're on the podium uh, next August. Somewhere in that media gathering, the the the, the conveyor belt, uh, as we call it, that you're going to have to go through. If we sent you a Tim and Sid shirt, <laughs> would you rock the Tim and Sid shirt in Tokyo? <laughs> Is that something you would contemplate doing? Oh yeah, for sure, definitely. I got yeah, I, I would definitely nice. rock that. I got you guys. Right, I, would, I, would, I would I would uh, I don't know what the stipulations is with with rocking it in the village or, or and all that. I don't know if you have to Well, you're going to have your own sponsor. You're just getting started. Sponsor There's stuff, but, oh, but definitely outside guy. of the village, I probably would, uh, I, I would rock it. I mean, you're going to be just chilling around Japan. Appreciate <laughs> you're you're going to be like a UFC light heavyweight champion soon with all the sponsorships on your clothing that you're going to have to rock before and after <laughs> races. But I just, uh, you know, we go, you've been, always been really good to us. Even I remember talking to you at USC, like we, we, we've been having conversations going way back now. Well, I'm really excited about what the next year is going to look like. Um, all the best to you in the training. Stay safe down in Florida, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, all right, man. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you guys for having me. <laughs> One of the fastest men in the world, Andre de Grasse, joining us here on Tim and Sid. Said we're about to be big in Japan. <laughs> I feel uncomfortable when you ask those questions. Can you see the uncomfort in my, like, I'm just like, I know, no, but one no. day I'm going to hit on him, Tim, and then you're going to thank me. <laughs> I know, I know. One day I it's going to hit. <laughs> I know, and I'm glad you are talking about your second leg and not your third. Coming up, is Francisco Landor going to the Jays, and does Tiger really have a chance at the Masters? All that coming up.
Right here on Tim and Sid. Oh, I just got it. That's funny. That's funny. I just got it. (laughs) Welcome back to Tim and Sid on TV and radio. Coming up next hour, Shai Davidi joins us. The Jays seem to be in the middle of a lot of hot stove right now this offseason. We'll we'll try and figure out what's going on with Shai. And the Masters begins tomorrow. Chris Solomon of No Laying Up Podcast will join us. Is Bryson DeChambeau the favorite is he the guy to beat we'll ask him it's rare in golf right like tiger yeah, spoiled tiger started people, but bryson might be there uh we have got a ton of feedback on the future of fred van vliet after he appears on jj reddick's podcast saying i gotta get paid which all of us knew but the way he said it had a bunch of people saying he gone lamar writes in and says Product of the Raptors system, huge overpay at 20 mil. Good luck on future endeavors, Freddie. It must be said, and we said it in the opening block, Sid. Like, I don't think anyone who has watched this team closely for a long period of time would wish Freddie Van Vliet anything other than go get your money, go get paid. We hope you stay. But you bet on yourself like three times. If you want to cash the chips in, go ahead. I, th- I think the criticism will be put right at the feet of, in one of the rare moments where maybe you can do it, Masai? Really? Maybe? I don't know. Like, do you, do you, like This is a guy who, this franchise gave him his break. You'd bet on yourself all you want. You need someone to bet on you too. And the Raptors did. You're, I think I think you're going to be surprised how many people look at the Raptors. If Fred Van Vliet becomes a piston and goes to Dwayne Casey, I think mm-hmm. you're going to have some Raptor fans look at management and ask themselves, what happened here? He's, he's going to be starting point guard in the NBA in a year because Kyle's not coming back, we think. In a year. And he's still left? What just happened here, guys? I think that's going to be part of the narrative for sure. I, I, love, I love Freddie Van Vliet. So do I. Do you think he's the starting point guard on a really good team, like a championship team? Because that's I what think, you have to ask yourself if you're doing what you're doing right now. Um, he's a, he's, a, he's a pretty good three-point shooter right now. He can be better in other parts of the floor, but he's a pretty good three-point shooter. He's an above-average defending point guard. And, and Tim, I think, look, most title-winning teams, is your point guard your best player? Probably not. Not anymore. Not yeah. Anymore. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be looking at I'm that looking specifically. At, I'm not looking for at Fred. any team though. I'm looking at this team. And yeah. unless you got Giannis, what are you talking about here? Uh so you're going all in. So like if so okay, so what happens no, if they I'm don't just, get what happens if, if they Giannis, don't get Giannis? If it's Giannis Tim? No, but yeah, I'm, I'm, okay. let's put this on the table. If they don't get Giannis, what do the Raptors look like? Like who's the nucleus? It's Siakam that, and OG, right? Siakam, OG, and Freddie. I would, I, I would agree with that, is that completely. Is that team good enough? That's well, what you need Sixers, to ask yourself. The Sixers will never figure it out. I don't think they're, they'll ever figure it out. So I'm not worried about the Sixers at all. Miami, Boston. Worry about Miami. Boston, Brooklyn like, is currently constituted. Who knows? Uh, ben writes in and says, whatever happens, I'm happy for Fred. Get your money. We here, don't here. win a title without him. Here, here. Um, Ryan writes in and says, Fred deserves to get paid. Not sure if the Raptors will, can step up and pay him what he wants. If not, I wish him all the best. It seems like a lot of people are saying that kind of thing. A last minute of play in our last minute of play writes in and said, 
He gone. Number he wants will be a major overpay for an undersized guard who is an average shooter from deep, not paying $20 million for essentially showing up for eight games in the playoffs during a championship run. He was very inefficient in the loss to the Celtics. He was a 40% three-point shooter this past season. I'm throwing that out there. 40% from three is not nothing. So just want to correct the tweet. I don't know if it's... That's efficient from three. Yeah. No, other, as I said earlier, other parts right. of the floor, he needs work. As I, as I gave you. Don't tell me he's not a solid three-point shooter because that's just he false just said, and He incorrect. just said he's inefficient. Didn't say he what's was the, inefficient what's from What's the difference? Three. Timmy, what's the difference? Bad and inefficient. Huge, no, no, no. There's a huge difference between inefficient and a good three-point shooter. Inefficient right. means of all your shots, like how many points per shot are you putting up? That's I what hear. you're asking. I hear. Uh, and I'm not saying he's inefficient, but those two things can be a little bit different. Uh, we'll take the break. When we come back, Francisco Lindor to Toronto? Shy to beat Next. It's time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McCallum and Sid Sexero. Muchas gracias, Sheepdogs. Final hour, too sweet to be sour. McAuliffe and Sixero from the Cantinas. Very good. Before we Very get good. before we get to Shy Davidi and all these rumors. So many things to talk about with Shy Tim. Oh so my god. So much. Wow. Uh, and Chris Solomon on the Masters. I just let me let me tie a bow on the last stat or the inefficiencies versus Boston because I think it was the the writer sometimes I hate doing this to someone who takes the time to tweet us we'll say something we go to break and we don't finish it just to round it off six arrow um, Fred Van Vliet from the field shot just 35 percent versus the Celtics and I think that's what he was that's the inefficiency okay that he in was that talking moment about. I I would agree with that yes it was 32 percent from three against one of the best defensive teams in the league so yeah. there's a little from column A and a little from column B, but I didn't want to just shortchange someone who takes the time to write into this show by sloughing it off and moving on. Appreciate uh, you know it. me. I like to look up my stats. But uh, And to be fair to Freddie, um, it would take us an hour to go through the Raptors who were inefficient from three in that series. That's correct. <laughs> there, were, there were a few, if memory serves. Did you just post it, a paper on your head? What did you just? I did. Was, I did. Was it an actual post-it, or is it just you're that moist up no, top? It's a post-it. It's... <laughs> oh, there you go. It's there you stats. go. Way to keep, way to keep your notes uh, close to you. Uh, that, I'm, uh, what's that game where you put stuff on your head? Heads up? I guess that's the new... There's a headband version. one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah There's a headband one. Yeah. Yeah, they all suck. Scattergories was the best one of those. I'm a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. We'll oh, talk about Bryson DeChambeau. Why do I not like Bryson DeChambeau so much? Because you don't trust he's not using. <laughs> sorry, did I say that or think it? I'm sorry, Tim. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean that to was, work that. That was the same. That did I say that or I I'm think sorry. it about Cristiano Ronaldo? I'm sorry. Today. I just I blurted out. I'm sorry. I, I I need to put more of a filter on my mouth. Um, I, I have you ever something... followed him on on social media? Have you ever seen his no. accounts on social media? Does he yell at the media on social media too? 
Is that a thing he does? Or no, he he you know he yells at people. A lot of people. He mm. posts like I think he has like a Bentley, and he posts shots of him getting off of private jets and getting into the Bentley and driving the Bentley. I'll, I'll show you one day. It's pretty funny stuff. Do I want to see this though? Like you know me. Like I don't know if I want to go down. Oh, yeah, I'll ruin him. Yeah, no, I'll, 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 get, I'll, I'll get more angry for you. Yeah, oh, no, I'll ruin like him. He's already a little <laughs> ruined. All, like honestly, I'm not a fan. Like when he has a wedge in his hand with the size of his arms, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. When he's lining up from 90 yards out, it's just there's he, he listen. He's U.S. Open champion. He uh, oh, he's he, great. He's, all, he's an great. amazing golfer. Yeah. He averaged 325 at Wingfoot, right? Tiger Woods in '97 on this course averaged 323. Like it's unheard of stuff. Like who knows what he's going to do to Augusta here? I'm not sure. Now it's going to play longer because it's going to be wet, but he's his story is insane. His story is there's something it's about play it I don't it's like. Wet. Well, I mean, but in terms of the role, in terms of what usually happens with his drives, I don't think it's going to go 380. I don't think he's going to get a nice hop. Is what I'm saying. No, no. You said it's going to play longer. It's going to play shorter. That's what you meant. Oh, it's going to play no shorter. Yeah, that's sorry. Yeah, that's yeah. what I, that's what I meant. It's going to play shorter. Um, um, but it's it, it, it's definitely it's it's a great topic, Tim. Don't get me wrong. Anytime you want to bring up Bryson with me, I'm in. I'm, I'm in. I just, there's something about him I don't trust. I we'll do it with Chris Solomon uh, a little later on. And we might, into, we might even get into talking about muddy balls. Uh, if it is going to be wet, we might have to talk uh, muddy balls. Meanwhile, in the game of baseball, Sydney, right now, it seem, am I wrong to suggest that every time I see, no matter the writer, whether they're from Canada, national writers in the States, it doesn't matter. When I see a big name... And rumors about the big name, the Toronto Blue Jays are being mentioned with nearly every single one of them. We need like a bingo card drinking game kind of thing with the Jays this offseason. Jays, like phrases t- attached to the Jays that, that you see in articles aggressive, uh, ready to spend capital, uh, <laughs> believe it's their time. So, uh, 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 Ross and Mark are attached or, or linked to blank because of their Cleveland history. Like, just there's 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 a bunch of things you can put on that, and I'm sure our next guest, Shai Davidi, has, has heard them all. This is like the the hot stove is is I love talking to Shai anytime, but this hot stove in particular, Shai, you are most welcome to jump on with us. I don't know where to begin, man. Uh, l- let me start here. How many shortstops do the Jays need? <laughs> Well, first off, uh, you know, your, your drinking game suggestion is great, but you're going to get some people hella drunk if, if you're about to, uh, those are the rules. Uh, which, you know, like, hey, man, pandemic times, do what you got to do to get through it, right? I hear you. So, I hear you. Um, how many shortstops? You can never have enough shortstops. Uh, you know, especially, I mean, you can look at this team's draft and signing history. I mean, they, shortstop, shortstop, we want shortstops, right? Even Austin Martin, who's very much not a shortstop, was drafted as shortstop. So, uh, you know, I think uh, the position that the Jays are in right now, they can just, they just have so many different avenues that they can explore. And, you know, I wrote this last week. Uh, but my sense of kind of how they're going to do things is they're just going to explore everything and say like, Hey, well, if we do, you know, if we target this player, then these are the complementary moves that we can realistically do as well. And maybe that's one Avenue explore, you know, saying, you know, like shortstop, be it Lindor or 
Gregorius or Simmons or Semyon or, you know, whoever, whoever you want to talk about there. Um, then you could do that for center field and you can do that, you know, with DJ LeMay, who as a, as a super utility guy who, you know, I, I, I think is somebody that the Jays, believe would be ideal for their roster uh or you could do that with trevor bauer or you could there are just all these different avenues i think ultimately it's what becomes most doable for you and what is the package that you believe is most ideal so you know i really think that you know the blue jays are doing this right now with, with a pretty open mind uh not locked into necessarily one plan but just looking at different groupings of players that they can add to the roster and address as many of the holes on it as they can. We normally do this in sports radio. We focus in on the big shiny diamond. So let's do it because I was trying to think with Francisco Lindor about the comps, like what's the comparable in the last little while. I'm I'm not sure if Mookie Betts is the deal because David Price was included in the Mookie Betts deal. But then again, Boston also ate a lot of salary on David Price. I, I guess what I'm asking is, what would it cost to get Francisco Lindor, and what would the long-term deal look like for Lindor? Right now, I mean, those are both great questions. I think that's the what everybody in the industry is mulling. Uh, I think there, if you're Cleveland, there's a couple things working against you. That one, you're only selling one year of Lindor. Uh, you're selling a year of Lindor. It's going to cost in the neighborhood of twenty million uh, in arbitration that uh, during a time where, you know, money in the game is a little bit more scarce, or at least we think it's going to be more scarce because of COVID-19 related fallout. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, that Lindor has, you know, rebuffed some extension overtures from Cleveland in the past. So, you know, he's going to either want to get hella paid or, you know, go or take himself to the market and see where, where it goes. So, uh, and plus there are going to be a bunch of potential free agent shortstops after this season. So uh, I think all those things are working against the Cleveland getting this home run return. Uh, at the same time, I mean, ultimately you're talking about one of the most dynamic players in the game. So, you know, they're not going to give him away. Somebody's going to want him bad enough to, to give them a decent package. So, you know, I think, Something in in the neighborhood of the bets package is a reasonable comp. Um, you know, I mean, do they end up doing that? Can does somebody end up paying it? Maybe, maybe not. We'll find out. I, I was wondering out loud and privately to Tim before we entered this kind of quiet sports stage uh, of the calendar. What would get me through? Hearing Shai Davidi say "hella" <laughs> twice in four minutes <laughs> is definitely helping. He is he has given us hella information here, Shai Davidi mm-hmm. of Sportsnet. Um, so so Shai, if you're Bo Bichette, young man, you're reading the same stuff we're reading. Does Ross talk to him? Do you do you reach out in some way? Does Bo reach out to the Jays? Has that happened? Either way, what what do you know? Well, I, I mean, I talked to Bo about this last year. The Jays made some overtures to to Cleveland about Lindor last off season and you know the price was was way too high and you know they didn't go anywhere but the and the jays also talked to, to Didi gregorius who was also a free agent last year uh, and they talked to bo about it beforehand they said hey you know like these are some of the things we're thinking about would you be okay with it and, you know bo said like i think i'm a shortstop but if you can get someone like lindor i want to win that's my priority and 
you know, so like, you know, you get Lindor, we'll figure it out. And, and I think that's the same thing this year. And, and really, he deserves that level of respect. But, you know, I think if, if you're getting uh, a championship caliber player, uh, Bo Bichette isn't going to balk at it because he, the first priority is winning. But, you know, I think if you bring in someone who he doesn't think is, you know, just his equal or maybe his lesser uh, in some ways, I mean, he's not... I, I think anybody in his situation would be would be annoyed by that. So, you know, if you're the Blue Jays, you don't sort of like drop this without telling the player what you're thinking beforehand. You know that that wouldn't be fair to him. That wouldn't be smart considering how pivotal a part of your future he is. And you know the fact that you know he's uh, on the verge of superstardom and has a chance to be one of one of the more special players this team has had in a long time. So. You know, I don't know for certain that they've talked to him this year, but I know they did last year. Uh, they they got to an understanding, and I would assume that something similar would have happened uh, in recent weeks. In conversation with Shai Davidi, hella good columnist at Sportsnet.ca. <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to live this down, am I? <laughs> no, we love you. Um, when Betts was traded, there was like two or three places that he could really go tops because you knew that teams couldn't pay for him, the kind of long-term money that he was asking for. Why in in this world where we're sitting in, in this COVID-19 fallout, does it seem like there's more folks in on Lindor? And it, like, who's the real competition here? Well, I mean, I think everybody's in until you figure out what the price is, right? It's like, yeah, Lindor's yeah. out there. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out, right? Uh, right. Oh, that's the price. Ooh, maybe we're we're not so in on this. So, you know, I think it's it, everybody asks about everything. You know, like it's that that's every team. If if you have a responsible front office, you're looking at every single opportunity, regardless of whether you're going to actually invest in it or not, because you want to know what the going rates for the markets are. You want to try to figure out what other teams are doing. Uh, you know, how many teams are actually legitimately in on them? Uh, look, I, I think right now everybody's looking at the Mets and trying to figure out what they're going to do under new owner, Steve Cohen. Uh, I mean, clearly he's, determined to wants to make a splash shy he's going to make a splash at some level right you, you got to expect I mean, it. more than make a splash i mean i think he's trying to cannonball uh, can, a cannonball but i, I yeah. think hella cannonball he's, he's, hello he's, more than that i i mean uber cannonball maybe right? <laughs> yeah. uh, i think he i mean he's trying to rewrite that team's place in the game right and he wants to make them uh the the same put them on the same level as the yankees and he wants to erase this narrative of the Mets being cheap and dysfunctional uh, and unable and uh, unable to win and too incompetent to build a winner. So, you know, that creates uh, a pretty interesting monster. And you've got, uh, you know, a pretty smart guy, a baseball guy there in Sandy Alderson, uh, who's had the reins let, let off him in his second go with the Mets. So and I think that's a, that's a wild card team that, everybody's sort of thinking, how far are they going to go? Um, but how many teams does Lindor for one year make sense for? And I think that's sort of the question. And then, and then it becomes, how much are you going to pay for one year of Lindor? And are you going to empty your farm system or, or give up significant prospect capital for one year without a guarantee of resigning when you know one of the greatest shortstop uh, free agent classes of all time potentially is coming due next fall. 
So, you know, I think all those things may make the Lindor market not quite as um, as wide uh, as as people think it is, uh, or again, will possibly limit what the return could be for Cleveland. Shine Avita here on Tim and Sid. Um, all right, permission to move off shortstop for a second, because there are Please. other things in play here. The one, the one that caught my eye, Shy, is is DJ LeMahieu. Now the Jays did have interest uh, back when, when he made the move from Colorado, and nobody thought he could hit outside of Coors Field. And lo and behold, he's an MVP candidate in the American League. Just turned down his qualifying offer last night of eighteen point nine million. Yankee fans are losing it. He uh, again, he's an MVP candidate. Shy, are we entering? this weird baseball universe where everything's upside down, where Yankee fans are afraid of big markets like Toronto swooping in and taking their guy. Like are the well, Jays, is, is, is that a possibility or should I move off that? I mean, look, I think that I don't know that we're quite in that bizarre world just yet. Um, you know, I mean, the Yankees are a Goliath that is, that aren't going away anytime soon. Uh, but, at the same time, you know, we we, we are going to see some potentially traditional uh, or non-traditional spenders. And we saw it a little bit last offseason, but, you know, New York Yankees said, hey, we're going to go get Garrett Cole. They got Garrett Cole. Um, so, you know, they, they can certainly still flex with the best of them. But, uh, you know, other teams are going to look at this differently. And, and you know, the Yankees had, uh, you know, the Yankees were one of the teams that would have lost a lot more than other clubs because of how much attendance that they uh, because of the, their level of attendance uh, the the prices that they're able to charge their fans a lot of the elements that they have in stadium that allow them to generate revenue so you know does that impact their actions right now maybe uh, especially with uncertainty over uh, when and how many and uh, you know how many games as well uh, you know will fans will be able to attend next year so uh, I don't know. I think at this point, you know, to, to say that the Yankees are fearing the Blue Jays uh, would be uh, hyperbolic. I was kind of, I was being a little facetious there. My, my main point is LeMahieu specifically shy. Like yeah, but, that, but that interest that, is kind of where I'm going with it. Yeah, but I, I think that, you know, LeMahieu could be a player that other teams might value more than the Yankees and could potentially blow them away for. Yeah. So, and I, look, he... I think he was described to me as, as ideal and perfect uh, for the Jays. And, you know, in a lot of ways he is right. You can play him at second, you can play him at third, you can play him at first, uh, you know, just a, a terrific all around hitter. He's not a, he's not a guy who's easy to pitch to. I mean, he just, he does all the things that you want, you know, good teammate, good clubhouse guy, you know, he just has all the pieces that you want in a player. Uh, and if you're the Blue Jays looking to both solidify yourself defensively, add some offense, uh, add some presence, uh, I think you'd be hard-pressed to, to do a better job than, than getting LeMahieu. Shai Davidi joining us here on Tim and Sid. So, so, I mean, I think Jays fans are trying to sort through what this all means and what all these rumors mean, and, and I know you've done a good job, but if, if you were to rank what the Jays need most – where would you start? We've heard center fielders. We've heard shortstops. We've heard run prevention. We've heard middle-of-the-order bats. We've heard pitching. Can you rank what you really think the Jays are going to do? And I know that, that sometimes superstars can change that, but where do you think they're going to go? Uh, you know, I, I want, uh, I, I've talked about it a little bit, but uh, you know, I think that if they, if they can make LeMahieu happen, 
you know, I think that would be maybe their their number one goal. You know, I think obviously if you can add a Trevor Bauer to your rotation, yeah, you'd love to do that. But you know, if you if you if you were really realistically going to get Bauer, that's probably going to eat into the rest of what you do. And so it's you know you're really concentrating your ad in in one area. Uh, I think center field would be good for them. You know, you could you know, add a, add a piece uh, there and then use one of your surplus outfielders in the trade to maybe get a pitcher that way. Uh, there, there really are a lot of different ways. And, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's an easy way out to say, yeah, I mean, they need, uh, they need, to, they need a, a bit more pitching and they need to get better defensively, but they can just, because of they have the roster flexibility, they can do things in a number of different ways. And, you know, I just, I don't think it's just sort of like one area. I I really think it's sort of like, what is the package of things that you get? You know, is it sort of, you know, Mayhew and, you know, another another mid-tier kind of starter uh, and then maybe a above average bullpen piece and, you know, part-time defense first center fielder, you know, I mean, that's a pretty good package. Or would you rather go, you know, add Trevor Bauer and then sort of down market reliever and down market infielder and a down market starter? You know, I think that's sort of what you're weighing. And so, you know, to me, I think LeMayu, because of how many different boxes he checks and how he has that versatility piece, he's not just one position, he's multiple positions, and he gives you a lot of different options. Uh, You know, I think that if you could focus in on one guy, that might be the guy I would focus in on. Um, But I can certainly see the the argument of the case saying, hey, you know, you need a compliment for Ryu uh, and you're you're not going to do better than Trevor Bauer right now. So you know, put all your eggs in that basket. Shai, before we let you go, speaking of Yunjin Ryu, uh, AL Cy Young voting has been officially released. Shane Bieber of Cleveland, unanimous winner, uh, to no one's surprise. He won the Triple Crown, essentially pitching-wise, this year in the American League. Kenta Maeda had 18 second-place votes of the Twins. He finished second. Hyunjin Ryu had four second-place votes. He was third. This really doesn't surprise too many people, but Shai, kind of briefly before we let you go, if you're Mark Shapiro and you spend $80 million of Rogers' money and you get a pitcher who was in contention for a Cy Young this year, does it make it easier for Rogers to trust Mark in terms of other future purchases? Like I, I think that has some cachet to it. That probably has some, but, you know, I... If you're if you're giving a, a guy the checkbook, I think you're judging him on the overall body of work as Correct. opposed to just one move, right? And you know, I think the the process that the Blue Jays have undergone in recent years, I think that's where the cachet comes from, right? You know, the the Blue Jays have run uh, to to the chagrin of some fans. Uh, obviously, the a responsible business. They've rebuilt uh, a roster that was expensive and aging into one that's. Uh, you know, far more cost efficient and on the rise that allows them to now make some of these splashy ads. Uh, so I think that's where the cachet comes from. But you know, if Ryu had gone backwards, I mean, maybe we're maybe we're having a bit of a different conversation right now. Yeah. Uh, shy, hella good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, it's my pleasure, gentlemen. It's been a while. Good to catch yeah, up. Too long. And, uh, I'll try to drop something new and slangy on you guys next time. <laughs> Appreciate it. Just buddy. just say bra a lot next time. Bra. Like, I'm, I need I need some bras in the next. <laughs> I, I have a feeling. Bra. I have a feeling we'll talk a bit though, Shy. This is going to get interesting. Yeah. Either way, this yeah. is going to be interesting. And be uh, fun. yeah, nothing like a good hot stove to get us through the winter. So love you, man. We'll talk to you soon. Stay well, fellas. Appreciate it. Thanks, bra. Here is uh, Shy Davidi. <laughs>
Sportsnet baseball columnist, if you're not following him or reading his stuff on sportsnet.ca, you're doing it wrong. Can Tiger Woods contend at Augusta? Would we have said that last year about Tiger Woods? That's exactly what I said last year, Tom. Contending exactly. at Augusta. Uh, we will discuss it with Chris Solomon of the No Layups podcast, and we'll do that next. Masters Talk. Hello, friends. Next, Tim and Sid. <laughs> Welcome back. Sid Sixero. He is Tim McAuliffe. This is Tim and Sid live from our basements here on TV and radio. Tim, do you, does it matter to you that the Masters is in November? Does it sully it? Are you, do, do you care? Do you just want to see Augusta in any shape, any form? Does it mean something to you? Uh, you know, I, I just feel like I'm, I'm pretty used to 2020 at this point, and That's a good I'll answer. take what I can get. It's a good answer. Uh, but the, the fact that, like, I remember when coverage used to begin at, like, 3 p.m. Eastern. Like, that used to be Augusta, right? Mm-hmm. Like, 3 p.m. it would start. And it's going to be dark a lot earlier at Augusta. So you're going to have uh, split tees, 1 in 10. Like, there's going to be a couple of different things going on here. Uh, the Noah Azaleas hurts me to my core. But other than that, listen. This is this is uh, this this year is unprecedented. I don't know if you've heard that word before. Yeah, I've, I've heard. I've heard. So, twenty twenty. That's what I've heard. Uncle Timmy is just taking what he can get, and I'm trying to be grateful for everything that I do get in twenty twenty because apparently people keep telling me uh, being grateful helps. All right, I, I don't disagree with the answer. I think it's a good answer. Chris Solomon of No Laying Up Podcast on the line. Chris, does does Noah Zalia's uh, cut to the core? of your soul as well like are you are you saddened by Noah's alias I wasn't until I heard you guys say that I didn't even like I wasn't really <laughs> thinking about that dude I'm kind of digging the, the fall foliage vibe they've got going here um I mean we're gonna get azaleas in like five six months here for next year's masters we can do a little something different uh the golf course is gonna play a little different um, so I hadn't really thought about it I'm, a little bit, though. It's starting to hurt me a little bit now that you mentioned it. I wonder if Nance will have to go to other words uh, besides, like, if you take away azaleas from Nance, like, that, that is taking away, like, an ace in the hole for, for Jim Nance. Nance has been working on whatever he's got, you know, for six, <laughs> seven months. He's going to be laying Oh, he's dying. Chris, syrup. he's dying for this. He's been calling syrup. cowboy games for weeks. He's, he's dying for this. He wants to get away. <laughs> like, he can't wait for this. Oh, he... He's got the talking points just absolutely dialed. It's going to be, you know, they are going to really, really be hammering home the lack of patrons, I'm sure, and and showing scenes from around the golf course of how empty the course is and how eerie it's going to be. Um, it's, it's, it, I don't know how how much this resonates with the regular sports fan. I know when that when go, when football season is going, it is no matter if it's you know the Masters even it is hard to get people to turn away from football and watch golf. We saw it with the U S open. The ratings were terrible for it. And, you know, way worse than what we've seen in, in recent years with the U S open. And that has football to blame, but this whole dynamic, I've been saying this, it, go back 365 days. If you would have said, Oh yeah, next November <laughs> college game day is going to be at the masters, you know, at Augusta, like how, what would have had to have happened? For that situation presents with no games with no games to talk about it. college game day exactly. at the masters with no games to talk about because the sec basically <laughs> isn't playing what a world 
Uh, it's a very, very bizarre year, but, uh, you know, we, we've, you know, golf fans, especially man, this next six months is going to be wild. The, the only, the the most rounds of golf, the most rounds of golf at a particular course that we're going to see over the next six months is Augusta national. We get to see eight days of golf in the next six months at Augusta national at the masters. So I'm super jacked up for that. And, uh, gosh, it's usually so sad when the masters is done. We have to wait a full year for it to come back. And for once, that's not the case. And we got a little extra time to actually sit back and appreciate what Tiger did last year. It was such an yeah. unbelievable, maybe one of the biggest sports you know, comeback stories of my lifetime, definitely. Uh, and we didn't, it was hard to really fully appreciate it as it was happening. So a few extra months to really you know, crank up the highlights and get perspective on what, what happened there was not the worst thing in the world. All right, Sully. So then let's, Tiger says he expects to be competitive. And listen, if I had to ask you this question last year, I don't know what the answer would have been either. But do you expect him to be competitive? Um, which 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 side do you want me to answer with? I can do my head and I can do my heart. <laughs> um, mix them together. Come up with a with a fine I'm, cocktail I'm of head and heart. No, I'm going to be totally con- convincing on both sides. Okay. All so, right. Is there any evidence of Tiger playing any kind of good golf leading up to this week? No. Is there good signs from his health? No. Is there good signs from his putting? No. He has had to switch to a longer putter because it was hurting his back to practice with a shorter putter. Um, so, and he has not putted well at all this year. He has not done well in the majors this year. All of that to say, does it look good for Tiger this week? Absolutely not. Now, I am of the belief in some capacity that the only week he truly cares about in this year is the Masters, and that if he was ever to try to get his game and body to peak for one week, I don't know how many weeks he can really put it together anymore. You know, there's always the balance in golf of balancing getting repetitions and, and you know, staying focused and staying sharp with your game and not wearing yourself out. I don't know if he knows that balance, but if he does, it would be to peak in this week. And this is a golf course that through all he's been through, all the injuries, all the personal tribulations he's been through, he has always showed up and played this place so well i think back to 2015 when he was sculling chips over the green in phoenix shooting 82 and he showed up at augusta and scraped it i think he finished 18th or something like that which was a miracle considering what we saw a few months before so the game could not have been in a worse place and was still able to do that so can he channel something yes is there any real anecdotal evidence to support that no but again there's something about this place that, you know, it supports someone like him that doesn't, isn't the most accurate with the driver, requires a lot of creativity off of uneven lies and creative shots into these greens, and you have to know the slopes to hit with your approach shots, and he can do all those things. So can he channel it for four days? I absolutely think he can. Am I saying go bet your money on it? Not necessarily. Hope that covered all the bases. Another fantastic answer from Chris Solomon of No Laying Up Podcast. Chris, here, I, I think we've learned something about Tiger, though, this year galleries to him are like getting a mushroom in super mario brothers he needs galleries like i i and i'm being serious like i certain certain players have been fine with it bryson dechambeau has been more than fine without them i think i think if you take that crowd away from certain players i think they suffer a little bit i don't think it's a be-all and end-all i think there's other reasons why tiger has one top 10 this year but I, I think the lack of a gallery throughout the year has affected more guys than others agree or disagree I do agree. Uh, I think that I don't want to say Bryson wouldn't have won the U.S. Open if they were fans there. And I don't want to say 
Morikawa would not have won the PGA Championship if there were fans there. I, I, there's no way to validate that. But we are used to seeing players have to go through the cauldron of the pressure of fans and hearing a roar from another hole, wondering if that guy that's one shot behind you just birdied it. Does that add some pressure to your shot? You know, uh, you just, that is the element of major championships. And it's nowhere more evident than at Augusta national. The holes are so close together. The roars are enormous. You know what hole it's coming from. You know what group it is. You could tell an Eagle roar from a birdie roar versus a par save roar. And I think back to the, the shot that Tiger hit last year on 16. And he hits this amazing, it's a par three, hits the middle of the green, runs up the slope, and almost goes in the hole. And the cheers are deafening. And CBS showed a great shot of Brooks Kepka standing on the 17th tee right above the hill. You can clearly see what's going on. There are people to his left looking over top of him, cheering like crazy in his ear as Tiger's ball is rolling closer. <laughs> Kepka has no choice but to look down and see what Tiger's ball is doing. There was no ignoring that. And he had to hit his tee shot with the crowd still going nuts, which was kind of an unprecedented scene. And just knowing that that's not going to happen, nothing like that can happen in this year's Masters, does make me sad. It's a factor. I can understand Rory saying he's kind of lost focus at times. These guys... Some of these guys have taken, you know, spent a career getting used to playing under pressure in these environments, and that's a skill that is no longer relevant this year. It's it's weird. It's the way it's got to be. Uh, but it, you are you're barking up the right tree. It is a hundred percent going to be a factor. Chris Solomon joining us here on Tim and Sid. I'm, I'm, I was saying earlier that I'm I'm kind of conflicted when it comes to Bryson DeChambeau. He's obviously uh, really, really, really talented, and I feel like he's kind of a bit of a douchebag, but we all at times can, can be a bit Guilty of a charge, douche. Yeah, Guilty we all can charge. do that. I, we all, hey, listen, I don't know. The, there's not many guys that can't say. Michael Pinball Clemens might be the guy who can't say. He's yeah, never been a douchebag. Um, but I heard him say he might, he might be able to start cutting corners with no fans. Like, could that make him even more dangerous? Like, even though he doesn't strike me as a guy who's worried about hitting fans without them there – at Augusta, where this guy's already carrying like 325 in the air and it might be wet, like, is, is he even more dangerous because of the opportunities that he can get with his driver? It's interesting about, I hadn't really honestly thought of it without the fans. <laughs> I do think he would be sending driver over every corner, whether the fans are there or not. There's not, there's obviously not a ton of places where they would be directly in his way um, or typical places where the gallery would stand. There's no carry when you hit the gallery, right though. There's no bounce when you hit yeah. the gallery. You usually it goes this down. This is true. Yeah. But you, said, you mentioned, you know, he was carrying at 325 yards in his practice round. Nick Faldo posted a video today, I believe, of him on the range. because um, he, he, You know, he was unhappy when he walked off the golf course about how much his ball was spinning. He's trying to reduce the RPM rate. Uh of, of the ball, and he's practicing now on the range today. And the last ball he hit, he hit 200 miles an hour ball speed, and he hit a 368-yard carry. Now, whether that's going to translate to the golf course is the question everyone is asking, and I honestly can't remember being more intrigued to watch something play out in a golf tournament than I am to watch his round tomorrow. I will have the coffee set for well in advance of 7.33 a.m. I will have my every shot, every group, app loaded on my computer and ready to watch every single shot he hits tomorrow because he has built his game to dominate this place specifically this this course has long stood as the 
premier golf course in all of the world, if you will. This is the greatest tournament in all of the world, and he has a chance to make it look extremely silly. Whether it's going to work out or not, I do not know, but I'm so fascinated to find out the answer. I do think it's going to be one of the extremes. If he shot 62 tomorrow, it would be more, it would be less surprising to me than if he shot 78. And if that thing is on, it is going to be a complete assault of Augusta National. And those guys are, do not like it when their golf course gets absolutely undressed in front of, you know, an enormous, enormous audience. So what he's doing is it's the biggest cautionary tale in golf. Every amateur golfer that comes up, don't chase distance. Don't chase distance. Don't change your swing trying to hit it further. It never works for anyone. He has done it to a degree that is hard to really illustrate to golf fans. It's absolutely unprecedented what he's done. It's, it's without a doubt the most successful driver transformation in the history of golf by a wide margin. And he has had great success in the majors so far. And everyone said this, this playing style is not going to work at majors. You know, majors about hitting fairways. You know, it's not all about distance. He is proving that wrong right off the bat. He won the U.S. Open by six shots. Uh, on a golf course that a lot of people thought would not set up well for him. So here we go. I cannot wait. He's the favorite. And I don't like the guy. He is totally a douchebag, but I'm kind of rooting for him. And how, how many sports, how many sports figures can you say that? I don't like this guy, but I'm rooting for him. He's so interesting in that regard. It's funny you say that because, I mean, we know what Augusta is. And they, I mean, you talk to people privately in Augusta long enough. They're like, no, no, all due respect to the royal and ancient, we invented golf. Like, that's, that's what people at Augusta are like. You know that. Are people at Augusta rooting against him privately so he doesn't do what you're suggesting he does and just flip Augusta on its head? And then we're going to have this huge, huge conversation, much like when Tiger ran, ran the score up in 1997. Like, how do you... How do you DeChambeau, uh, make it DeChambeau-proof at Augusta? Like, are people inside that course and maybe inside the game rooting against him because of what he might do to it? I would say yes. I would say I'm not even sure they're that cheapish about it. I mean, no, they definitely don't want this golf course to become a mockery, the tournament to become a mockery. Um, you know, a lot of people compare what Bryson's doing to what Tiger did in 97, and, and to be clear, we, I mean, he needs to win by 12 before we really have that conversation. But it is very different in my mind. Uh, Tiger did it before the huge technology boom. He was doing it with, if you look in the bag, the, the actual equipment he used to bomb it over those corners and hit sand wedges into par fives, it would blow your mind. It looks like, they look like golf clubs from 1971. If, if you look at them now, they look so antiquated. Well, the, the critique, or I guess what has people, you know, really heavily involved in the conversation is the technology has gotten so good that Bryson has been able to channel the fact that the risk for swinging really, really, really hard is a lot lower now than it was in 1997. So when Tiger was taking on those corners, he was hitting the dead center of very small club heads, and he had that ability more so than anyone else in the game. Bryson is taking the pure muscular approach the sweet spots on these golf clubs now are way, way bigger than they were in 1997. He's taken the approach that I can get it enough around that sweet spot that it's going to give me a great advantage. And when I don't hit the sweet spot off the heel, it's going to cut a little bit off the toe. It's going to draw a little bit. I can still keep it in the ballpark. He is bludgeoning the game. Whereas tigers was so crisp. It was so precise and so, so, so different. So I, I think there is a huge, huge difference. And if, if Bryson truly just bludgeons the place, it is going to really escalate the conversation around technology in the game, which is a conversation that 
a lot of people have been having for quite some time saying that yeah. he needs to be dialed back. But if he picks it apart and does what I think he's going to do, it is going to really, really, really ramp up that conversation. All right, tease this earlier in the show so we can't let you go without asking. Uh, will Jim Nance at one point be discussing muddy balls? Uh, because we have a, a, a seems like a wet course that may get wetter, and with the precision needed, I'm not just throwing this out there. You know this as well as I do. With the precision needed to play Augusta, could muddy balls actually become a talking point? It's interesting because uh, there, uh, I we had an interview with Wright Thompson this week on our podcast, and he had just said <laughs> every single little thing that makes it on that telecast is approved by Augusta. So. If they don't want mud balls to be part of the conversation, it will not be. So I don't know if they will focus on that. Now, do I think that could have an impact on the championship? Absolutely. I mean, it is. It, it becomes less of a test of golf when they're when everyone's playing with mud on the ball because it is completely unpredictable. It kind of gets rid of the skill of a certain shot. The shots are challenging enough as it is that you know the shots off these downhill lies that you know require a fade when you're the lie is promoting a draw and all this. The mud on the ball just adds an uncertainty and a, and a luck factor that I don't personally enjoy with the game. Some people will say, hey, everyone's got to play the same conditions. But at, at a certain point, it just becomes kind of blind luck when, when there's mud all over the ball and you don't know what's going to happen to it. And I like seeing, you know, guys execute and fail and, and, and succeed and fail, whereas everyone's going to fail at a certain point if you have mud on it. So uh, I don't know what's going to happen with the weather. I, we, this storm is kind of rolling through uh, northeast Florida right now. And it's coming their way. And I played golf in it this week, and it was not fun. So they are a bit behind the eight ball when it comes to the weather uh, the next couple of days. And if it does rain, I've, and if they mow these tee boxes back towards the green. Balls are going to be laying on these hills and stopping, and there will be some mud balls. So uh, it, it, I'll be interested to see if they cover it. It's a great question, but it, it will be a factor. Well, hopefully Mother Nature gives everyone a break, our first break of 2020. And we can all have a ball watching this tournament that we yeah. love so much. Yeah. Um, Chris, enjoy it, man. This is always great. Thanks for jumping on. Anytime, guys. Enjoy the week. You too. There is Chris Solomon of the No Laying Up podcast. Listen, people thought I was joking around when I was teasing Muddy Balls early on the show. You hear that answer? Tim, Muddy Balls. Like a, a muddy Balls on Augusta. Factor. Augusta National, that course, aside from the tee boxes, no joke, there is no flat lie whether you're in the fairway or in the right it doesn't matter mm -hmm. there's no other unless you are teeing it up that course is a nightmare and if you have muddy balls good luck that's golf Time for breaks. when we come back <laughs> terry just wrote in and said sid's expression when tim talked to chris solomon about muddy balls <laughs> and provided his Forget people are looking too yeah, a michael good. scott jeff all right uh, when we come back, we'll <laughs> we will. All right, no more references to no money balls. We'll no just, we'll, money we'll, balls. We'll, no we'll money. Just balls. Wrap up the show because it's a yes. good one. And here on Tim and Sid Sportsnet Radio and TV, Dirty Spheres. Welcome back to Tim and Sid. He is Tim McCalp. I'm Sid Sixero. Thanks again to Chris Solomon. Good golf talk. Masters will be fun again. I hope it, I hope they can play. I hope it just doesn't rain for four days, which is what the forecast says, and it would be annoying as hell, but say la vie. Uh, Timmy, a couple things before we head out. First off, just to wrap up the Cy Young discussion, we mentioned Shane Bieber was a unanimous decision on the American League side 
earlier mm-hmm. this hour, 31st place votes. Hyunjin Ryu of the Jays was third in voting behind Kenta Maeda. By the way, the Dodgers won a World Series, and they let go both Kenta Maeda and Hyunjin Ryu, and they were both top three for Cy Young, and they still won a World Series. How about that for a franchise, Timmy? That's insane. I can also tell you um, the main point in this, though, is Trevor Bauer, to no one's surprise, was named National League Cy Young Award winner. So here you have Trevor Bauer, free agent, made $17.5 million last year. He is a social media whiz. He's got everyone on, on the end of his hook like a good fisherman. And, and he can call a shot here. I'm, I'm going to ask you, Tim, where, as, as a journalist who covers sports for the story, strictly the story, where would you like to see him go? I will, I will propose to you right away because Marcus Stroman took the qualifying offer from the Mets today at $18.9 million. No one really thought he'd do it. But yeah. a day after the new owner speaks, it's interesting the timing on that because Steve Cohen's presser yesterday, Tim, he hit a home run using yeah. the baseball analogy. Hit a home run. So Marcus Stroman tweeted with the Mets. Stroman, eh? Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. I great, missed that. Great news. Ah. Love to hear it. Oh, yeah. We'll talk soon. Oh, interesting. yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm saying, Trevor, I want to see tre- – you talk type A personalities. Those two are type AA personalities. Yeah. I would love to see Marcus Stroman and Trevor Bauer in the same clubhouse. I mean, first off, because they're pretty good pitchers, and they would, <laughs> they'd, 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 they'd win some games for the Mets, but just there'd be some other stuff. And oh, two, the and social media back and forth between oh, the two would be unbelievable. Oh, the possibilities, McAuliffe. The possibilities are there. I would there. love to see I would love to see Strowman not concerning himself with the opinions of sheep come out after Trevor Bauer tweets about spin rates on his teammate. Like I would just the back and forth between the two would be worth it. <laughs> It'd be so good. Or they just It'd get along so perfectly. One of the two. One of the two. One of the two happens. But again, that, that press Steve Cohen's press conference from the Mets yesterday, I can't say this enough. He was normal and he's super rich. And he and he grew up in Long Island. It's the Mets. He, 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 he was a Mets, Mets fan growing up. Like this is what you want if you're a fan. Uh, Timmy, also, uh, we should mention that tomorrow, Bruce Garriock of the Ottawa Suns reporting tomorrow at 3.30 p.m. Eastern is when the conference call with the NHL's Board of Governors will take place. Yep. Uh, Bill Daly and Gary Bettman, it is expected, will put down the possibilities of what a return to play looks like. We don't know if they're going to make a formal recommendation. Historically, what we know of Gary Bettman and Bill Daly is when they call these things, they have their ducks in a row, and they know what they're doing. We'll see how it plays out tomorrow. As we all know, with the border and COVID, a it's, it's a fluid, bit of a fluid situation. So yeah. we'll, be, we'll be all over that tomorrow, so keep an eye on that. We may have hard news in terms of return to play. I don't think so, but it's, it's, it's something to look at tomorrow, Tim. Any, any thoughts on that, or can I move on to the next thing? Go no, ahead. let's move on to the next one, because I think this one's really interesting for a segment of the population. Yes. Um, so Travis Green of the Vancouver Canucks, one year left on his contract going into this year. Mm-hmm. Um, not the highest paid coach in the National Hockey League, but uh, he's he's won some games, and the Canucks had themselves a little bit of a run here. Now, they ran out of steam, obviously, and thanks to Thatcher Demko, they stayed in their final series in the bubble in Edmonton. But um, I think we can all agree with the sentiment that progress has been made with the Vancouver Canucks. I'm sure Michael Buble would admit to such, our, our, our new best friend. Mm-hmm. Ian McIntyre. Canucks Canucks Insider, yes, the Steve Michael Dangle Bublé. of Canucks Nation, Michael Bublé. Ian McIntyre, of, uh, who's, who's forgotten more about the Canucks than you and I will ever know for Sportsnet, yep. recently got a chance to speak to Travis Green. And his contract uh, was brought up. And this is what Travis Green said. I am a BC guy, and it means something to me to be in British Columbia. 
When you ask me if I want to stay in Vancouver, of course I do. It's not even a question in my mind. I can't imagine winning a Stanley Cup in any city but Vancouver. End quote. If you're a Canuck fan, Timmy, and you hear that, what impression, what impression do you believe Travis Green has made on the fan base? Never mind the team. The team's going to make their own call. But I think there's some emotion to play here. Because Travis Green, you know, they're not a cup contender yet, but they're, oh, this they, is, this they're is better. Simple. This is simple. I, I'm, and I don't mean to cut you off here. No, go ahead. Go ahead. But the Vancouver Canucks went cheap when they hired Travis Green. And yeah, reportedly, it's a million dollars a year that he's making. Okay, he goes into the he does his job. He brings the team along as anyone would have expected this team to be brought along. And now we're sitting here and Francesco Aquilini and Canucks Sports and Entertainment are saying, well, we're not sure what we're just pay the man. The man did his job. You went on the cheap. Give. I know it's tough now. I understand times are tough. But if you're going to play in this game, play it right. You ask the guy to come in and do the job. I know he has one year left in the deal, but he's done his job. Pay the man. Get him close to what other guys are making for the job that he is doing. And maybe there's a, a rubbing of some players the wrong way. Maybe, but also maybe you need that. So I just I look at this spot and I go, you got him on the cheap. He did his job. Now pay him. And. It, it can be that simple. Don't make him go to the media and have a conversation with Ian McIntyre about what might happen. He's been a really good fit. Pay the man. And you don't have to give him, like, Florida Panther money and Joel Quenville. Like, no one's saying right. that. I'm just, no one's saying you know, six million give him, a year. Give him the boost he kind of needs. Look, he's Louis, you've had guys like Louis Erickson at six mil on your ticket. You can barely play. Like, he's done a pretty good job. I, uh, You know what scares me about a situation, Tim, before we go? Because that roster's been a little depleted here. Let's tell it like it is. Mm -hmm. They get off to some bad start, and he gets scapegoated. I just well, I, I see why... that scenario. I, I, yeah. I don't like it. I don't like it. I think that's why he's talking about it right now. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I'm a fan. I want that on the record. I think Tim is as well. Hopefully, Travis Green sticks yeah, no, around. He's done his job. Little, but yeah, pay I'm the man. You. Pay the man. Timmy, enjoy the opening round of the Masters tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow as well. But enjoy the opening round. Nice and early. Um, and if you ever need another Bachelorette segment, let me know. I can fill in any time. Thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks for listening. He's Tim McAlvin. I'm Sid Sixerial Sports and Sports at 5.9 The Fan. Remember, as we leave you, as we always remind you, wash your hands. Just wash your hands. See if the wash audience your wants your another one of those. And wash know. your hands. I don't know. Washing it your might hands. not. It's a good wash point. It might hands. not. Washing your hands. Talk.